Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Youth Voice Podcast. Our podcast is aimed at giving a voice for teenagers who can't get their voices heard by adults or in the mainstream media. My name is Sharanya, and today I'm joined by Vagish, Riddhi, and Ben. Today's episode is episode 12, and today we'll be discussing the recent COVID surge in India along with the global inequalities in COVID vaccine distribution. For the majority of the pandemic, India was brazenly affected by COVID-19. Up until recently, the country was presumed to have tackled and defeated the COVID-19 pandemic as well. Cases and death rates were on the low, and going into the first quarter of this year, it seems that India was successfully flattening the curve. This was, however, until mid-April, when India suddenly began experiencing a boom in COVID cases nationwide, and even more perplexed as to how it was spreading faster again with the previously high city infection rates. The pandemic in India is rising incredibly fast as the world watches in awe. Every day, India continues to break new records for daily cases, deaths, infection rates, and more. The Indian healthcare system, which isn't prepared to handle surges of this magnitude, is crumbling, and many people are being denied access to medical services simply because of a lack of oxygen and other resources. The situation is dire and is only getting worse. COVID-19's peak in India only shows the grim difference in vaccine inequities between first and third world countries. While developed countries such as the United States and those in Europe continue to hoard the majority of the world vaccines, the global South and other lesser developed countries lack behind in the global vaccine process. Without a unified global measure to vaccinate the world's population, COVID-19 will just continue to be a major problem for years to come. All right, let's open this floor right here. I I can ask the first question. So what's everyone's thoughts on the recent COVID surge in India? And do you guys have any reason as to why this might be happening, either a hypothesis or an expert opinion? Honestly, at this point, I think everyone is well known that the situation right now is dire and it doesn't seem to be getting any better, only getting worse by the second. Um, This situation could have been prevented. And I feel like that's obvious to all of us because especially in the last year, um, people have been going back to behaviors from pre-COVID, going back to their businesses, going back outside, not following guidelines. And due to these behaviors and due to all the actions that they took, before taking COVID seriously, I feel like this situation has just doubled and is exponentially rising at dangerous levels. Yeah, I I totally agree, especially when you look at uh, the statistics that have been going on in terms of COVID cases. When you look at uh, 366,000 COVID cases reported this past Monday in India, it's just hard not to jump off the edge of your chair and uh, just real with how awful that is, especially with some predictions saying that by August, if the same projections continue, India may have reached over 1 million deaths. I, I just don't know what to say about that. I think that most of this obviously originated from the changes in leadership in terms of uh, Mr. Modi's uh, aura of political invulnerability. Yeah, honestly, the numbers are really scary, but it's also really scary when, like, for me, I have a lot of family in India and, you know, I can count, I can go on about who has COVID, who's getting COVID, who's in the hospital, who's okay now. Like, it's really scary because you get news about what's happening and you feel so helpless that you're sitting here in the States and you have resources and you know that if you contracted COVID-19, you would be okay. And some people 
in another country who may have just been you if your parents didn't take the decision to come to the United States are not in that same secure situation. For sure, Sharanya, and I agree with you. Um, I think for many Indian diaspora that live in like uh, privileged countries like the United States and those in Europe, it's not about who has gotten COVID, it's about who hasn't gotten COVID. That is how bad the situation in India is, and it's only continuing to get worse. So by this point, as children, the best we can do is pray, donate, et cetera, et cetera. But we should also be holding our politicians accountable. And one thing that the Indian government has done is, especially recently, because India has been on the low with COVID cases up until the surge that happened uh, last month, uh, regulations were being rolled back. Um, Prime Minister Modi and his BJP ruling party were holding election rallies in states, and they are still continuing to hold rallies that are being held by their political parties that have been known to spread COVID. And there are also a bunch of large religious festivals going on and large gatherings that are still going on despite India continuing to reach and break new records every single day. And this kind of leadership and model that the Indian government is setting up is obviously not appropriate for the situation that is going on. When we have people in power, we expect them to take action. We expect them to do the right thing for their constituents or for the safety of the public. Everything that's going on, frankly, the Indian government should be doing far more. And while I can give them a lot of leniency based on the resources that the country has and uh, what their limits in their capabilities, what they can or cannot do, um, holding election rallies has to stop and spreading COVID through these super spreaders in election rallies and other political gatherings is just is just unbeknownst to me. Yeah, I think we can point a lot of fingers as to why this is happening, you know, starting all the way back in colonial India, when tons of Indian wealth was stolen from its land, and it still has not been returned. But I think that current day, when we look at the problems right now, we really need to look at who's in charge and who is you know, making the decisions that are causing such a huge problem like the COVID-19 surge. And when you look at politicians being so selfish that they're encouraging people to stand in huge lines and not safely stay at home, stand in huge lines and vote and, you know, participate in the election, no assistance to prevent COVID while doing it, I think that's like a huge problem and we need to ask ourselves why that's happening. Yeah, I for sure agree. And I think uh, one thing we should start pointing out is that India is not like the United States. The country doesn't have the same accesses to resources and just in general healthcare that we in the United States have. So what do you guys think could be like potential solutions for how this crisis could be resolved? Um, It's hard to think of solutions as children our age, But would lockdowns work in a country like India that is a majority worker and rural? Right now, this is just a like life or death situation, to be honest. And right, we've all we all know that with India and with its different jobs and workers, a lockdown would definitely harm the economy and would harm the lives of you know the people who work there. But right now, there's literally no other choice. And right now we either we need to have the choice between the economy and some of our workers jobs and then just the population as a whole and then their lives as a whole and i the lockdown might have its cons and there's maybe other different solutions but in this situation i don't think there's time to think or time to go over those differences 
honestly, I'm a little bit more unsure than, you know, where these solid stands. I don't think that the Indian economy could withhold another lockdown, you know, because there's so many people in India. If you walk down the street, you're going to see people living on the street, working on the street. And if you shut down all of those people who are living on, you know, in already dire situations with dire wages are going to be, you know, their income is going to be taken away. And India already went through this entire lockdown, you know, a few months ago when they were praised for their handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I don't honestly don't think that they could handle it. So I think the government needs to look at another solution. How do we get aid from countries? How do we manage the hospital system? And then I think the lockdown comes after that. Honestly, if you're able to stay at home, if you're privileged enough to be working from home and still be okay, obviously do that. But I don't think that everybody can do that. For sure. And um, I completely agree with uh, Sharanya. And I'm a little unsure on Riddhi's stance as well, because India, I've said this before, and I'm going to say this again throughout this whole episode, but India is not like the United States. They are not a predominantly industrialized country that is ran similarly to the United States. The economy is oriented differently. And the majority of the population, a little over 50% of the population lives in the rural countryside. And in the rural countryside, you make money based on the day. Um, uh, I, I will talk about my firsthand experience in India, but outside of my home in India, there's there are these construction projects that are going on. And every day around 6 a.m., people will gather up around the construction site area and they will start raising their hand. They will start begging for a job. And the people who run the construction site will only take two, three, four people. And that's it. If you get a job, congratulations. You have money to put some food and water on your table for the day. If you don't, well, better luck next time. You have to find something else. And I think that is an excellent way of how that just puts into perspective the situation in India. The entire economy is worker run, meaning if Modi or the Indian government announces a nationwide lockdown, those are millions of people that will not be able to have a job, which means they cannot put food on their table every day for around two weeks. Those are millions of people that will end up starving. Those are millions of people whose livelihood will be ruined and they simply cannot handle that. And I am, I would love to have a lockdown if if the economy could afford it. And I'm not one to talk about uh, economical impacts, but in regards to India, these are people's lives. And if a lockdown were to happen, if Modi were to announce lockdown starting tomorrow, so many people would die. And I think that we have to start prioritizing, as Rania said, other options, start getting vaccination efforts, start improving the healthcare infrastructure, start getting more oxygen so that people don't have to be sitting outside the hospital dying because they can't get oxygen circles, cylinders. So a lockdown is might work in a country like the United States as more advanced and industrialized, but in a, thir- the, in a lesser developed country like India, that is simply not an option for the worker. I'm going to jut in here real quick, and I absolutely agree with you, Vigish. That is just perfectly stated, Um, but obviously this is an extremely complex issue. Um, I mean, if it's between what India is going to do, rebounding their economy, or just controlling the amount of COVID cases, there's no real uh, solution, uh, no set solution that uh, to get out of this uh, situation. Um, But to be honest, I think that India obviously has, or at least the government of India has proved itself not to be completely self-sufficient. And uh, I know 
that there needs to be more collaboration with the WHO, uh, with the WHO, and um, with like other foreign aid, and there needs to be definitely more uh, vaccine efforts being pushed towards India because they're in desperate need of resources. They're in desperate need of medical apparatus that is currently being taken away from there. And if that, uh, if we don't work internationally to try to help India, then I think their only possible solution is going back into lockdown, which would be honestly terrible. So it's really on the rest of us. It's on the United States. It's on developing countries to help out India through this extremely challenging time. Yeah, I want to go back to what Vigish said a little. I think you touched on it that, you know, the people of India cannot afford a lockdown right now. And as we like handle this entire situation, you know, and do whatever we can, we also need to keep in mind, like, as it living in America, we're really privileged to even be able to say, I was able to quarantine because there's so many people that work and live off of not being quarantined or not being able to social distance. And just, I just want everybody who is able to be safely at home today to recognize their privilege that they have to do that. For sure. I think measures like uh, even just even being able to social distance or like wash your hands, those are privileges in India. In order to social distance, you have to have a home, you have to have space to uh, be separated from other family members. In order to have sanitation access, you have to have access to running water, you have to, you have, to have access to bathrooms, et cetera, et cetera. And that just puts into perspective how the, I said this before, and I'm going to say this again, India is not like other countries. And I think while we're on the topic of other countries, we have to start talking about global efforts and how the global North, specifically countries like the United States and those in Europe, while despite receiving millions of vaccine doses from India, are doing little to, or have been doing little to nothing to aid uh, their ally back. Mm-hmm. So what is what are your guys' thoughts on a global efforts to help India and um, global efforts to help India and are they working or should countries be doing more or less or what's the whole situation now? Honestly, I know that there was a huge criticism over the time that Biden took to, you know, send aid. And I think that, yeah, that time was, it was a desperate time and we needed him to hurry up. But honestly, I don't think that the situation in America is good enough for us to be, you know, handing aid left and right. We need about be strategic about how much resources we send out. And, um, you know, America has sent aid. Uh, tons of other countries are sending aid. China has sent aid. Uh, one huge development was that Pakistan, politicians from Pakistan actually tweeted out that they would be willing to send help. I don't think they have as of right now. I don't think India has accepted that offer just because of the huge tensions between them in the past, but um, again, caused by colonialism. But um, I don't think that, I think that it's really refreshing to see the world come together a little bit. And, you know, even in this situation, it's nice to see that. Exactly. Uh, I totally agree with you. And while we're talking about like what, should be a good example um, and setting a good example for uh, people during this extremely unprecedented time uh, for India. You have to also uh, look 
at what is going on socially in America. For example, we are an extremely privileged country that we have been some of the biggest uh, vaccine producers and distributors and had over 200 million uh, vaccine distribution so far uh, from the Biden administration. And however, there's still this hesitation uh, to take the vaccine for certain Americans. And uh, even when they have the opportunity, when they have the access, and I'm sorry, I just have to say that if you have the audacity to turn down a vaccine when you have access to it and people that are working uh, for a live that can't work for a living wage in India that are so impoverished that there's nothing they can do. They don't, they don't have any of the privileges to socially distance that you would just turn down something that could easily save other people's lives is just so disgusting. I mean, we need to work harder in America, uh, first of all, and uh, we need to make sure that we get everyone vaccinated, but that we also know that we are privileged here and it shouldn't be a privilege. We should have more vaccine distribution towards India. But I just wanted to add that little part that honestly, we really need to understand that uh, right now having the right uh, resources to battle COVID is a privilege. I think I'd like to redirect to Shrania's point uh, quickly. Yes, the U.S. needs to focus on its, uh, on itself uh, first before it helps others. But I've seen plenty of articles that have shown the U.S. has enough doses to vaccinate its entire population that they have surpassed the capacity. And we're at the point where, unfortunately, people aren't getting enough vaccines to reach herd immunity, where I think by that point, um, if you are denying the vaccine for any reason other than you're too scared to get it or... Um, or anything other than a health reason or just general distrust in the system, that is completely unacceptable. There are people in impoverished countries in the global South that don't have access to vaccines. And the way you are denying that, that tool of safety, that tool of resolving a public health crisis that, is, uh, that has decimated the globe for over the past year is just unbelievable. And I think that just goes to show the global vaccination inequities. While countries such as South Africa and India that have been home to producing these vaccines, they are getting the least doses of it. Countries like South Africa and those in Africa aren't going to be getting vaccines until 2022 or 2023. And it is just mind boggling how, while the global North continues to hoard vaccines from other nations, the global South faces the boot of the pandemic and will likely not get vaccinated for a good year or going even going into 2024. Just adding on to what Vicky said, I feel like it's completely unfair how millions and thousands are suffering in India knowing someone who has COVID or knowing someone who has lost the battle to COVID and people in America still refusing vaccines. It's just a blatant, you know, comparison and a blatant like difference between how people are treated in different countries and how the vaccine is only implemented in different countries. And just to add on to what you said, I also agree it's extremely unfair. And it's just agonizing watching the blatant inequality and watching people refuse vaccines while at the same time others are just suffering. Yeah, this is probably a little late, but I'm just going to put in some vaccination information right here so we can stay up to date. Um, so at the time of recording, India has administered about 168 million vaccines. So only 9.8 
eight percent of their population is fully vaccinated at that at this point. To compare, the United States has 259 million vaccines, almost 260 million vaccines at this point, and 46% of the United States' population is fully vaccinated. So, like, if you look at that number, India's not even, you know, it's barely half of what United States has vaccinated, but the percentage is much less just because of the huge population difference. So we need to remember that and we need to redirect our vaccines to places where it's needed. Uh, before we end officially, I just want to mention, um, we are locally having a GoFundMe. My mother is also organizing it. The link to that will be in the description. So as you probably heard throughout this entire episode, India Needs Help, and the money that you put into this GoFundMe is going directly into oxygen services. Um, sending uh, oxygen to India, you know, where people are being rejected from hospitals because there's not enough oxygen. And then in addition to that, also make sure you follow us on socials, Instagram, TikTok, all of that is in the description. Um, And check out next week for our next episode and have a great day, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.